This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Yesterday I was in uh, having breakfast with someone I love and I haven't really don't see enough of and I'm trying to lead their life and especially in the in the space of Jesus and I found myself uh, in this breakfast place and you know and you here's the, here's what the reality is it's kind of like there's no room for the end you feel pressure they they want you to get through you know they're trying to pick up your food you know sooner are you done with that are you done with that I'm like no I'm not done with that you know and uh, so I'm basically saying I want another cup of coffee just because I want more time with this couple and then I hear you know I'm talking about Jesus throughout the whole conversation and you know they're they're struggling in their relationship they're struggling with direction in life and in uh, who hasn't and we need Jesus to be the lead in our life amen and so I'm talking about Jesus and I'm getting these dirty looks you can tell because I'm not a person that really um, sometimes I carry my tone probably louder than I should and I'm just talking about Christ and you can see these dirty looks and then the waitresses are giving me some dirty looks and I'm just I, I don't care and I can't only imagine what Joseph and Mary were going through in this moment because they were bringing in the Savior of the the world And I think sometimes we don't really realize that when we get up in the morning, you know, that God had fashioned our day. The Bible says that he has fashioned our day. And we can, maybe we can relate to it for Mary and Joseph, but we don't relate to it for us. Why? Are we struggling? Maybe like, you know, Joseph goes, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hurting. I'm confused. Is that where he had to stay? No, he had to come to that place where revelation, he had to get to the place of enlightenment. He had to get to the place where that God wants to do something inside of his life. Emmanuel, God with us. Not just God with Joseph, not just God with Mary, but God with you. For God so loved the Joseph and Marys of this world. For God so loves me. I need to take this space personal inside of my life. And I'll get to that in just a moment. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, passage that we're going to be, uh, we're very familiar with this whole month. Verse 6, a child is born to us, a son's given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week we talked about him being the wonderful counselor. If you weren't there or you didn't get the chance to to watch online or whatever, please go back. Get it inside of your heart because I believe that that these names, they're they're even in their rightful order. In fact, I'll I'll get to that um, right now if I could. This last week... I had one of those spaces doing devotions with my wife, and, and we've made a really great habit of this, and, and uh, so we're getting up in the morning, and, and one of the passages that we read was Revelations chapter 9, and we're going to be unfolding, by the way, on the app and everything, we're going to be unfolding all of this. For all of us churches, we're, as a church, we're reading all the same scriptures. 
And so it's going to be, I can't wait to have this moving, this communication going to all of us at the same time, but we have to do it line upon line and here little and there little. And it's, I'm not that type of personality. I'm one of those guys that's like, it's a river flowing. And I thank God for other, you know, men and women in my life that just help me go slow it down, line, you know, it's just bring this thing into the point where it's bite size. Well, one of the passages this last week was in Revelations chapter 7, and you know, this is where a lot of the, the uh, Jehovah Witnesses get so confused, the 144,000, and um, they lost uh, count, I think there was, hundred when they got to 144,001, they just didn't know where to go, but anyway, the point of it is, what I want to share with you is this, is that um, it's not about 144,000 here in this space of time, this is literally written to uh, the Jewish people this passage, and there's going to be 12,000 evangelists per tribe. But what really got to my attention was, you know, and this is when the Holy Spirit, God is with us, because that's what it means today, Emmanuel, God is with us. The Holy Spirit came over Mary, and she became pregnant. Do you know that we're supposed to become pregnant with God's Word? And do you know that Jesus was called the Word and became flesh? And so really, I mean, these, these are these words, and sometimes we get a little confused because we're so, you know, finite in our thinking, and God is infinite in his in expression to us. And so in this moment where we have this, uh, we have, in fact, they call it, now, as I did my study today, or this week, it's called a remez, which means when God puts a hidden meaning in his scripture. And I was looking at these 12 tribes. And you know, when we look at them in the book of Jacob, or I'm sorry, Genesis, where Jacob's talked about, he has these 12 sons. And then the list changed because Joseph has his two sons, and then Levi is never included. And I don't want to go into all of the um, analogy, but what happens is, is all of a sudden you read these 12 tribes, and they're all mixed up. They're not listed in oldest to youngest. They're not, and then there's two of them that are missing completely, Ephraim and Dan. And then you look at the list, and again, the, the arrangement is different. And then the, many uh, theologians say it's because Dan and Ephraim, in the uh, time of Jeroboam as king, that they had actually uh, offered up a pagan uh, temple and a false worship. So some theologians think that the reason they weren't included in this list was because of pagan worship. But, this other, but these other theologians, they said, well, what if it is this? What if it's what they call as a remez? There's, there's a hidden meaning in this space of our life. Hidden meaning in this. And that every Hebrew word, by the way, Hebrew means that there's always a, a, a tone, a thought, a message behind every name. And so I don't want to take a lot of time into this, but the reason I'm sharing this with you is here's what that message would say in its rightful, in the order that it was presented in Revelation. I'm going to read it to you. Praise the Lord. He has looked on my affliction and good fortune comes. Happy and blessed am I. My wrestling has made me forget my sorrow. God hears me, has, jo has joined me, rewards me, exalted me by adding to me the son of his right hand. That's the names in their Hebrew order given, and that's how it's unfolded in Revelations chapter seven. God is just, what blows my mind is how amazing our God is that he would look at and see, here's these children being born thousands of years ago, 
And then unfolding the space of what their meaning is and goes, all right, here, thousands of years later, I'm going to have to put these names in a different order. Most people won't pick it up because Emmanuel isn't living in them. And I believe that so many times people are reading the Bible and not getting anything out of it because Emmanuel isn't living within them. And the whole point of the scripture is that God is with us. And he comes and represents himself with us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it's necessary for me to go so that I can send my spirit inside of you. I like, again, I'm going to take this from Charles Stanley who says, the Holy Spirit is in you, with you, and upon you. In you, with you, and upon you. And it's so important for us to recognize these moments as you read the Bible, go, well, the Holy Spirit was in that situation. He was with them in that situation. Oh, and I see he was upon them in that situation. I challenge you, every time that you read the word of God, look where the Holy Spirit is in them, with them, and upon them. And I also challenge you, where is the Father working? Where is the Son working? And where is the Holy Spirit working? In the book of Genesis alone, they're already unfolded. You can't even get in the first couple chapters. And there we are, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit right in creation itself. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, he shall be called. Is he called that in your life? Are you calling him the wonderful counsel in your life? Are you calling him the mighty God? Next week, we're going to be talking about everlasting father. So I wonder if there's a remez truth to this. Could it be that he shall be called in this space of order? Did God put the specific order important for us? Because some of us are looking for the peace of God, but we haven't even come to him for his counsel. We got our own counsel in our own life, following our own ways, our own dictates, doing our own thing, and we're saying, where's your peace? And God goes, where's my counsel? Because, and then we want God's mightiness in our life. Is his mightiness ever going to come because you're doing things your way, or are you doing it underneath his counsel? If we look at the book of Genesis, there was chaos, and many of you in this room have chaos in your current life. And the first thing that says that the Holy Spirit brooded over the chaos and began to do his creative work through their life. His mightiness does not come until there's counsel first. Last week, again, we talked about him being the counsel, the mighty, you know, and many of us, it's great to get counsel, but are you truly getting his counsel? The mightiness of his counsel, and today we're going to be talking about the mighty God. So I want to unfold this. I don't have a, a lot of time. I don't want to unfold this to you. Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. May 31, 1998, a few months before we started this church, there was a huge storm that came across the West Michigan. Some of you probably remember it. 130 mile an hour winds came in. Now, May 30, I had heard about it. I had lived right in Grand Haven, Stearns Bayou. I just finished my house. I just adopted my three daughters in my life. So I had seven kids, and this huge storm was coming in. They're saying, buckle down. We don't know what's going to happen. They just knew that these, these winds, these, they're going to come and, and tear down and ravage the city. So 
So I'm so thankful that the mighty counselor woke my wife and I up, not that we were sleeping, but woke us up and told us to speak over our property. I remember us waking up and I looked at our trees and I was speaking to the trees. I said, you shall not fall. You shall not fall. I don't have time for you falling. I gotta, I gotta start a church. I gotta sell this crazy house. I just finished it. I don't have time for trees falling down, insurance claims and all this other nonsense. I don't have time. You shall not fall on this property. Mighty counsel. And then we believed in the mighty God. Because you know what, I didn't have that. There's no way in the world I'm gonna sit there and hang on to this oak tree that stands 70 feet down and you shall not fall by my strength. Whatever, I'm gonna hang inside the house and hide. I'm gonna let God do his part, amen? But I'm gonna do my part. My part in God is that God wants me to do his work. The Bible says Philippians 2.13, it's his power that works in me, that works in me to do what pleases him. Are we allowing this power to work in us to do what pleases him? Are we allowing this space of time? Are we getting in this council? And I remember we waking, my wife and I waking up, and I'm telling you what, I don't even know if my wife and I have still pictures of it. There's trees down everywhere around us. My neighbors have got trees. I mean, we're talking four feet away from my property line. Every tree standing, theirs are down. I went and got my tractor up. It was Sunday morning. It was church, supposed to be. There wasn't a church open. I got out there in my tractor, and I got a big four-wheel drive tractor, and I began to move across the property, praying for people and picking up trees and getting my chainsaw out, cutting down trees. That Sunday morning was a different worship service. You know what I worshiped? I worshiped the mighty God. I saw God move because he expected me to exercise the authority he has given me. God said, all authority I've given unto you. And but so many of us are just sitting, going over there, we're just sitting on there, like, I just pray that, you know, doesn't, hope nothing happens to my property. That's, you know what? Guess what? The winds will come and knock your trees down. You have got to understand that the faith that rises in you has got to be bigger than the doubt of the weatherman. You gotta understand that the faith that rises in you has gotta be bigger than the doubt of the, you know what, the COVID test. You gotta believe that the faith that's rising in you is bigger than the doubt of your company saying, you know what, I think we're gonna sell and we're gonna move to Mexico. You gotta realize that God is your provision, that God is your strength, he is your high tower, he is a mighty God, and we have got to the point today that we've just gone over there and we think that God's just a sprinkler. And he doesn't flood us with his power and his reign. You know what I see the difference between sprinkling? So one of the first things I learned about when it came to baptism, I was sprinkled and I realized it didn't count because I was a child, I didn't even have faith. How am I gonna have faith to get baptized? I was just a baby. And all of a sudden I woke up and says, the Bible says that those who believed got baptized. All of a sudden I became a believer and I thought, well, the next thing I knew, I need to get, thank you. Man, we got five of you in there. We got, I got next thing I do, I'm a believer, I need to get baptized my old life. And then I realized that the difference between a sprinkling and an overwhelming floodiness is all of a sudden God goes, he, all of a sudden I got dunked. Yeah. Amen. And I got pushed into that space. That's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to sprinkle you. He wants to dunk you in his power, dunk you into his presence, dunk you into what his plan is. You say, well, pastor, that's really good. You know, that's a really cool story. Well, let me tell you something. What I'm fighting right now, my wife has had these growths that are going over her skin. 
And I'm not going to sit and worry about it. What I'm going to do is say, God, you are a mighty God. I need your counsel. I need your counsel. The Bible says, God says, shall we shall lay hands on it? Or does God say, you know, this time what I want you to do is anoint it. I want his counsel. I don't want man's fear or Ron Rand's fear because I don't want my wife. My wife's going to outlive me. I don't speak that in existence right now. She's going to bury me. I'm not burying her. (laughs) I don't even know if she's in the room. But anyway, I am believing for her. She is my partner. She is the love of my life. And I want to see it. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings. It matters what God's promised. And I'll say it again, it doesn't matter what the enemy brings. It matters what God has promised. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter uh, 2, or actually chapter 1, it says, it says, by these promises, we take on his divine nature. This power comes inside of our life because of these promises. It doesn't come because of all of a sudden, well, I come to church. I thank you for coming into the service. I thank you for watching the service. But these promises don't come because you're present. These promises, because you invite them in your life, because they're his promises for you. And God doesn't have grandkids, he only has kids. Number one, mighty God, nothing is impossible. Isaiah 6 says, verse 1 through 4, we just read it. And it's, in fact, verse 1, it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and two they, they flew. They were all calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voice shook the temple to the foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. So you say, well, Pastor, what does that mean for me today? What does that really, how do, how do I apply that? How, how do I even understand what's going on? Well, look at point number two, Emmanuel. God is with us. The virgin shall conceive a child. In Matthew 1, she shall give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Whom is this God? His name is? His name is, and he shall be called Wonderful. Say it with me. Wonderful Counselor. Let's do it a little better. All right. Wonderful Counselor. Now, is he shall be called that for your life? Or is that the person right next to you? He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Let me tell you something. As you study this out, the train of his robe, I'm thinking, what's the significance of that, God? What's this, the significance of the train of his robe? You know, in this, this huge robe. Let me share something with you, what, what you, you can find out through history. In ancient times, the flowing train on a monarch robe was a symbol of glory and splendor, triumph and victory. To understand the importance of a train, we have to remember that in those days, all clothing had to be constructed from scratch. Fibers of cotton, linen, or wool had to be spun into a thread. Threads had to be woven into cloth. The cloth had to be cut and sewn into garments by hand. It was a time-consuming process. Only the rich and only the powerful could afford to add extra length to the robes. The longer the train, the more glorious and splendid the king. We also know that in the times of the Old Testament, when a king would send his men into battle, after they defeated their enemy, by the way, who's the one we go out, who's the one that wins the battles today? You are in Christ. You're the one that's victorious. Thanks be to God that always leads me into victory. 
You are the one. The king of kings is sending you out to have these splendid victories. All right? Says they, I said in the old times, Oh, I'm going to get longer the train, the more the glory, the splendor of the king. We also know that in the times of the Old Testament, when a king would send his men into battle, you are that. After they defeated the enemy, you defeat the enemy. The king would walk through the battleground and take for his men the spoils. You take the spoils. But the greatest recognition for the king that he had been victorious was signified when he would have a piece of the defeated king's robe cut off and then sewn into the bottom of the length of his robe. Would, therefore, there be a sign or an indication of his greatness. The longer his robe, the more victorious he had won and the more the king he had defeated. So when I, with the Lord's counsel, knew how to pray to get rid of the storm, God went over there and I cut off the enemy. I cut off that he shall bring me into fear, that he is going to steal from me and my property. I cut a piece off and I sewn it on the king of kings robe in the splendor of his victory because of the splendor of the, de- the defeated one in my life. Or the same time when it came down to, uh, when I was 40 years old and I was diagnosed, diagnosed with arthritis and God showed me how to have victory in that space. Now this arthritis is healed completely and now I go over there, here's arthritis sewn on the victory of the robe of Jesus Christ. Every single time that we win a victory for our Jesus, we add to the robe of his glory. We add to the robe of his splendor. Our Jesus is splendor. He is glorious. He is mighty. And so many times we're walking around so defeated and God's going, I am your victory. I am your power. I am your anointing. I have a promise. I've already seen you on the other side. Son, daughter, come with me. It's not a heavy burden. All you need to do is believe for my promises. Don't doubt my promises. Don't fear what's going to the enemy brings. Yes, I know that you're walking through the valley in the shadow of death. Yes, I know that the enemy is pounding you in the head. Yes, I know that the fear and all the things that are going on. Yes, I know what Google says. But my word that is established forever needs to Lizzie rise up inside of you. Mighty am I, God says. Mighty am I. Am I mighty in you? Or am I just a byword inside of you? I'm telling you what I've learned in my wife, and I said this. I go, honey, until you hate the voice of the enemy as much as, you know what, as you love the voice of God. I'll never forget a friend of mine came to me and said, Pastor Ron, what's different about what you've changed churches, you've changed your faith? What's different? He goes, I don't, he says, you don't hate the devil like I do. He says, you still, we love God the same. You just don't hate the devil. Do you know that God, Jesus, has an enemy? Do you know the enemy of your Savior is your enemy? Are we ready to take down the enemy and defeat him where he is so that we can add to the splendor of his robe? Do you realize you're a part of that? That every single time that you get a victory inside that, there should be a little victory dance going on for your Jesus. Yes, my God is a healer. Yes, my God is a restorer. Yes, my God is the one that makes marriage. You know what? He's healed my marriage. He's restored my children. He has went over there. He's healed every disease. He has given me strength. He is my prosperity. He is my hope. He is my love and my over my despair. He is my all in all. This message gets me so pumped up because I believe today we live in a day where we have made, we have made God little and made problems much. 
Number four, God is with us. His mighty will bring conviction. When God's mightiness comes inside of your life, you're going to realize, wow, I really haven't seen how big you are. It'll bring conviction in your side of your heart. Number five, God's mightiness will touch you and remove all guilt and weight of the past. It's not about what you've done right or done wrong. It's all about what Jesus has already done for you. He's already in the lead. He's already paved out the path. All you need to do is accept it as yours. Number six, God with you in might will power you and empower you. I'm gonna read Isaiah chapter nine, verse eight, nine. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to his people. It sounds a lot like the book of Acts. When the disciples were sitting in that presence of the space of Jesus, and they wanted that. I'm gonna tell you something. We're living in a different time. This is a different era. The, the world out there doesn't have an idea of who Jesus is. They don't have any traditions to go on. Do you realize that my father went to a public school in Granville, Michigan, and they opened up the Bible in a public school. That's not the school, that's not the culture we live in. We have places right now in a Christian school they don't open up the Bible. So what is going to happen is we have to be the light. If the world, as the Bible said, is going to get darker, well, then where's the light going to come from? Who's the stars in the show? You are. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than the devil himself that's in this world. Greater is he. That anointing, that same power, that same anointing and same power. And let me just tell you something. We can have, we can be just like Judas in that space of thought. We can be caught up right in the, in the way it used to be. And, and, and all of a sudden we go, I don't want to do it that way, God. That's really the only thing that Judas did wrong. The reason he denied, he goes, he didn't like it because he didn't want the responsibility of the space of change. He had already made up his mind what he wanted Jesus to be. And he wasn't willing to adopt or change. Not my will, but your will be done. He wouldn't make that moment. Jesus said that right in the garden. He says, you know what? What you're ready to do and what you're facing, you can't do it in your own strength. Y'all need to pray. Y'all need to seek. Y'all need to get in the space of the mighty counselor. And how you say, well, Pastor Ron, what is that like? Well, you're not, never going to be in the space of that peace until you understand it. When you live in the space when all of a sudden the voice of the enemy going, you're going to what? You're just going to rot and decay with arthritis. And all of a sudden you go, no, that's not God's promise for me. I'm going to get in the space of what God says. Or maybe you're in that space where all of a sudden, you know what? He's destroying everything that's going on around you physically or maybe emotionally. Will you stop listening to what man says and not take the time to listen to the creator of the universe that would spread the curtain and all the millions of people aside and pick you out? He said, can we talk? I love you. Can I be, can, can Emmanuel come in the space? You know, the church calls it Advent or it's, you know, it's a, a beautiful season. It's 
peaceful and joyous and hope. All the things that we can put words to it, but what's it called to you? Who is Jesus to you? I know that every year I'm learning more and more about Jesus. I don't have any, I don't have a corner on it at all. That's what's called revelation, isn't it? Get behind the curtain. In fact, that's what the whole book of Revelation is. Get, God rolls the curtain. He goes, whoa, I never knew that. I never saw that. That's Emmanuel. When you get into devotions and you're not getting any revelation inside of your heart who he is, you're not having devotions. All you're having is a reading. Get past the read and get into the space of his love. Say, God, I've read this before, but make it real into my heart today. And then read it over again and read it over again. If you've got to read it 50 different times, let's just say one chapter that takes you 35 minutes to read it 50 times. Because your, your, your mind's like mine, gets a little off track. Are you telling me that that 35 minutes isn't worth the time that could change the rest of your life? Because see, if you want eternity, then you're going to have to get present with eternity. And there's only one person who's eternal that is for you. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Holy Spirit is looking for that moment. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Let's do it today. In closing, Pastor Dwayne told me this a long time ago, and my mentor, he says, you know, the more you're in the space of the Spirit, the more you'll want it. You crave it, you hunger after it. He says the opposite's true. The more you drift away from devotions, the more you drift away from your prayer time, the more you drift away from that space of talking about God, you won't crave it. You won't even have an appetite for it. In the physical realm, it's the opposite. If I don't eat, I get hungry. But in the spiritual realm, the more I eat, the more of a glutton I am. I just can't get enough. Amen? But if I starve myself in the spiritual realm, then I'll be like what Ezekiel says, the dry bones, that there's nothing on me. Well, even if that's the space of where you're right now, let God put his skin on you. Let him put those bones in the rightful place again. Let him shake you up because God is the God I know. The God is alive and moving and active. And 2021 is about ready to close. What was it for you? Was it a year of despair? Or is it moving into a place of greatness and even to be in a greater God? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so grateful for truth. Lord, in the space of understanding that we're going to worship you in a few more moments, that in that space of worship, there's revelation of who you are. God, I pray that every heart, those watching, those present, would be awakened unto you. As Jacob saw these, this huge ladder of angels going to and all the way up into heaven, God, I pray another step for everyone that's present. Lord, another step with you. That everything that's holding them back, God, be broken, ripped off. 
And God, that Father, everything that they would uh, grab hold of the idea and the concept and the passion of who you are. <coughs> and Lord, walk into the unknown. Walk into that space with trust and faith that you're leading them. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life, my dreams, my hurts, my days, all in your hands. And Lord, I ask, help me see, help me hear, help me perceive those you fashioned for me. Give me the strength to obey, to see your power unfold. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.